I was waiting for the man with the red hat, but until he showed up, I figured I'd try to enjoy myself. Besides, I really needed to get out of the heat. The temperature in Boston usually averaged around 80 degrees in August, but we were in the middle of a heat wave and the humidity was killing me. Even at 9.30 at night, the sweltering heat was absolutely oppressive. I don't know about you, but given a choice between being too hot and being too cold, I'll take the cold every time. I noticed this shop when I passed by it the other night. What first caught my eye was the blindingly bright pink and blue fluorescent sign in the window depicting a large neon hand. The sign read, Fortune Teller, Palm, and Tarot Reader. But the thing that really got my attention was the small hand-drawn sign on the door that read, Readings until 10 p.m. How convenient. I knew that readings were by appointment only, but I also knew that the woman who gave them was free now. One of her clients, 53-year-old Nancy Trope of Boxborough, Massachusetts, had canceled at the last minute. She used the excuse that her dog was sick, but she was really just too lazy to make the trip all the way downtown in this heat. Can you believe the nerve of some people? The shop owner, whose name was Ardith, was just straightening up the place before heading home. How did I know all this? Well, let's just say I had a hunch. I also had a hunch that she wouldn't turn down a paying customer, so I walked down the five steps to the brownstone basement storefront and went inside. The little bell that announced customers jingled softly, and the door made a satisfying click as I pulled it shut behind me. The shop was nothing more than a single room with a polished concrete floor, very shishi and the unpainted brick walls reminded me of a French wine cellar I used to frequent back in the day. Like that underground room, this one was blessedly cool, though I could do without the tacky tapestries. One depicted a large palm with its various regions outlined and labeled in different colors. Another showed the lover's card from a tarot deck. I found this picture amusing. It showed a naked couple standing on opposite sides of the card, and hovering above them was a fiery angel whose sole purpose seemed to be to keep them apart from one another. The angel was clearly the one in charge here. Even with his eyes closed, he's undoubtedly thinking, you can't keep secrets from me, and don't even think of trying to run and hide, because I'll always find you. Even though he looked like an angel, I could tell that he was really a badass at heart. I can totally relate. What a great place you have here, I said to the woman who had just come out of the back room. You know, I've passed by it a dozen times, but I've never had the nerve to come in. I've always been a little nervous about getting my cards read. I'm afraid of what they might tell me. Now, I always make a point of looking my best when I'm out on the town, and that night was no exception. I must say I cut an impressive figure in my black polo shirt, white linen pants, and soft leather Italian driving shoes, sans socks. My dark hair was neatly combed straight back from my forehead, and I flashed a dazzling white smile at the woman. I'm sorry, I don't have an appointment, I continued, but I'm waiting for a friend to show up, and I have some time to kill. I was wondering if you had time for just a quick reading. I could pay you in cash if that helps. The woman eyed me approvingly. No problem at all, she said. You're in luck. I actually just got a cancellation. Besides, my air conditioner is broken at home. It's always cool here, so I'm in no rush to go back to my hot apartment. 
Why don't you have a seat at the table? My name is Ardith, by the way. Ardith, I said, repeating her name as if I didn't already know it. That's a beautiful name. It means spirit of fire, doesn't it? Yes, she said. Yes, it does. I used to hate my name until someone told me that that's what it means. How did you know? It's a very old name, I said. I had a dear friend with the same name. We used to get together all the time when I lived in France. She told me that she was named after her great-grandmother on her father's side. Funny the things you remember. I haven't been in touch with her in ages. My name is Jordan, by the way. Well, it's nice to meet you, Jordan. Why don't you have a seat at the table, she said, gesturing to a rickety card table that sat up against the far wall. And don't be nervous about the card reading, she said. You won't be disappointed. I'm sure I won't, I said with a smile. As Ardith sat across from me at the cheap card table, I was able to get a better look at her. She was very attractive, middle-aged, had beautiful hazel eyes, soft, full lips, and her thick black hair was pulled back in a loose ponytail. The natural gray streaks looked quite nice on her, and they gave her a vaguely exotic look, which was probably good for someone in her line of work. It's good she doesn't dye her hair, I thought. It shows she has good taste. The black sweater she wore was a size too big, but I knew that she chose it over the red blouse she was planning on wearing after she realized that it had a stain on the front near the right collar. There was a crumb on her sweater, just above her right breast. It was no larger than a grain of sand, but I saw it as soon as I walked in the door a few minutes earlier. I noticed these things. Was it just my imagination, or did it smell like chocolate with just a hint of almond? Yum. As Ardith droned on about what I should expect from the reading, I gazed into those gorgeous eyes of hers. I bet those eyes have seen a lot in her lifetime. They say that the eyes are the windows to the soul, but I could see much deeper than that. Ardith's eyes told me that she started her tarot reading business a little over a year ago. She kept the neon sign that said palm reader over the large fluorescent hand, even though she doesn't read palms. I just like the sign, she tells her clients, and she really means it. The first thing that attracted her to the place, though, were the steps that led down to the basement storefront from the sidewalk. She thought that they gave the place the perfect air of mystery. She also thought that there was something symbolic about the descent her clients had to make to have their cards read, as if each step took them that much closer to some secret place that held all the answers. But of course, there were no answers, only life's endless tumble of questions, which was a good thing for Ardith. Questions paid the bills and helped to feed Trixie, the eight-year-old rescue tabby she got from the shelter last month. She really loves that little cat. I was only half listening as Ardith told me about the symbolism of the cards. A siren sounded in the distance somewhere in the city, then faded away. I'll tell you, in all the years I've lived here, I still can't get used to the background hum of constant sound. Even on a hot summer night like this one, the cacophony of sound is endless. It sometimes feels like the city is a living thing, and that the swarm of life that's skittering over its surface and invading its bowels feels the need to constantly feed this communal symphony of noise just to assure itself that it's still alive. There was no need to worry about that. Of course it's alive. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't. In a few seconds, the phone would ring in the apartment upstairs. Wait for it. 
One, two, three. There it was, right on cue. Ardith began laying the tarot cards out one by one on the table, which seemed about to collapse any minute, though I knew it wouldn't. In three minutes, she would put a matchbook under one leg after putting down the Ten of Swords. Then she would tell me that there was a spirit of a woman around me. She would describe her as a mother figure wearing little round glasses. Her name starts with a B. Beatrice, Bonnie, she would say. I was already rehearsing my mock amazement. Ardith would be impressed that she actually got a hit, though she would never know that she really didn't. I glanced at the clock on the wall. My lord, this is so boring. I just wish my friend would show up. I can't stand the waiting. There was a time when the waiting was part of the game, part of the excitement. But over the years, the whole thing has just become plain old tedious. I mean, what's the fun of a game when you know how it turns out every time? I would imagine that if you never lost at bingo, after a while you wouldn't yell, BINGO! You would just go through the motions of mumbling it, walk up and claim your prize, then shuffle back to your chair for another round, knowing full well that you'd win that one too. I returned my attention to the game at hand and pretended to be interested in what Ardith was saying. But my heart wasn't in it. You can say that again. I tried not to look bored, but I doubt I hit it very well. Okay, here we go, I thought. She put the Ten of Swords down on the table, then said, This table is so wobbly. Let me put something under one of the legs. I could have mouthed the words along with her, but I just smiled pleasantly. The matchbook now securely wedged under the table leg, Ardith gave me a puzzled look. I don't know if this means anything to you, she said, but I'm seeing the spirit of a woman around you. She's a mother figure, like a mother, stepmother, aunt, older female cousin, old friend of the family. She's not leaving anything to chance. She's wearing these funny little round glasses, Ardith said with her eyes closed. Her name starts with a B. Beatrice? Bonnie? She half squinted out of one eye to gauge my reaction. That would be my Aunt Betty, I said, dramatically putting a hand to my mouth. Ardith didn't try to hide her delight. I felt my pulse begin to quicken in my chest like a phantom limb. The waiting was boring as hell, but as I got closer to the finish, I couldn't suppress my natural instincts even if I wanted to. Here it comes at long last. There's also a man here, Ardith said. A man with a red hat. Thank you, my dear, I said, rising from my chair. I thought he would never get here. I swiped at the table with one hand, and it went flying across the room, brightly colored cards scattering like paper shrapnel. Ardith was so taken by surprise that at first she thought that I was angry about the reading. Then panic took over, and she started to stand. Her eyes flashed over to the door that led to the street, but I was on her faster than a hot knife through butter. The rear legs of the folding chair she sat on acted like a hinge, and as I bore down on her shoulders, the back of her head slammed against the concrete floor. She let out a scream, as I knew she would, but I also knew that another siren would be going by the shop at that very moment, and that the upstairs neighbor was just a tad deaf, which is why he turned the volume of his TV up so loud a few minutes ago. As she lay on the floor, I could see her pulse throbbing in her neck. I didn't need to see it, though. I could hear it. I could feel its heat. 
I knew with absolute certainty where my teeth would latch onto just as surely as you instinctively know that when you take your next step, your foot will surely make contact with the ground. I found my mark. My lips sucked the soft, warm, paper-thin flesh into my mouth until it was just past my teeth, then I bit down hard. The woman struggled, but it was useless. My strength was gargantuan, and I knew her every thought. There was nowhere to run, because I was always a hundred steps ahead of her. As her hot, coppery blood streamed down my throat, her memories flooded my mind, and for a brief moment, I was lost in all the tiny details of her life. She was eight years old, making cookies with her mother. It was beginning to snow outside, and the kitchen felt warm, cozy, and safe. Don't burn yourself, her mother said. I won't, said Ardith. She walked along the shore of a lake at dusk and swatted away mosquitoes that buzzed near her ears. The cool water lapped at her toes, and she wondered if the boy in the orange swim trunks that she liked even noticed her. She stood on a sweltering hot subway, swaying with the motion of the car as she held onto the sticky metal bar. I hope this lawyer's a good one. I hope the divorce goes fast. Never again, she thought. The old woman sitting in the seat closest to the door looked sad. I wonder if that's what life will look like for me when I'm her age, she thought. The sun beat down on her as the cruise ship pulled out of port. The breeze picked up as the ship gained steam and she breathed in the salty sea air. Five seagulls flew behind the ship and dove into its wake. Each emerged with a silvery fish that flashed and glittered in the sun. Then one by one they flew off to the shore. She sat in bed reading the self-help book, Your Future Self. Trixie curled up at her feet and a cup of hot tea on the nightstand beside her. As she reached out to pick it up, she couldn't understand why the hand that reached for the handle looked so strange. It wasn't her own. It was a man's hand, and it was covered with blood. I brought my focus back to the present. I had had my fill, and she lay still. The clock in the back room ticked softly, and a group of young men talked louder than they needed to as they passed the steps that led down to the shop down to this new crypt. I tidied myself up in the back bathroom, then walked up to the woman's body and knelt down next to it. Thanks for the memories, I whispered as I kissed her softly on the forehead. I opened the door and the bell tinkled softly as if to say goodbye. I closed it behind me, climbed the stairs, and made a beeline for the nearest all-night coffee shop just a few blocks away. As I walked down the street, Ardith's memories flooded my brain, and for a time, we were one. The feel of my shoes on the hot sidewalk was gone. Instead, I rejoiced in the feel of grass under my bare feet, the feel of powdery soft sand, the sun beating down on my shoulders. I climbed a mountain and breathed the sharp, clear winter air. I sat on a blanket in a park with friends, drinking wine and listening to the percussive sound of a reggae band. I slept. I dreamed. I woke up. It was morning. The sun was shining through the window across my bed, and a new day stretched out ahead of me, bright and untarnished. 
I crossed the street to the coffee shop. Life is good, I thought. Life is good.